while you were in regional Australia, did you experience any form of culture shock? Look, to me, the thing that was most difficult dealing with was sarcasm. To our Freedom to Belong podcast series. Today we are going to talk a little bit about race. I say a little bit because with the time we have together, we may not be able to cover all the details. However, this is a great opportunity to start with this difficult and critical conversation. Clearly, we cannot ignore all the things that are happening around us at the moment. It is important to realize that black people are hurting. The recent events in U.S did bring to surface this pain. Black lives are and have been suffering racism. There are recurring racial trauma events. Our fathers experienced it, we are experiencing it. And while we are fighting for injustice or justice, we need to ask ourselves, how can we look after ourselves in the process? Today we have Carla, a registered psychologist, to help us on this. Carla was born in Brazil, arrived in Australia in 1997, and she runs a practice for the last five years. Before that, Carla worked for the various government agencies in Australia. So, Carla, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you with us, and uh, we're looking forward to this wonderful conversation. How are you? I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to talk to you, Elsa. Yeah, that's good. Tell us a little bit more about the circumstances of your arrival, your first years. How was that in 1997, 1998? So in 1997, I um, came to Australia with an Australian boyfriend that I had met in Brazil. So I arrived in Australia and actually the fact that I came uh, with this boyfriend made things somewhat easy to start with. His friends immediately became my friends. Yes. But we then moved to regional Australia, and that's when it became really tough. So in regional Australia, um, I really had a sense that I was an outsider. So mm-hmm. looking for work, for instance, was a practical nightmare where I really found it extremely difficult to find work, ended up sort of doing a lot of volunteer work and doing work, work that was really below my capacity. Mm. Uh, and that's because every application that I put through for jobs, you know, in my area of knowledge where I had experience and I had qualifications for were just simply rejected. And where were your qualifications? At the time I came to Australia, I was in my last year of law. So I had I had done most of a law degree. Yep. I had worked the equivalent of the Attorney General Office in mm. Brazil. Yep. Uh, in my state, and I also had worked a lot with events, so lots of uh, medical events, so workshops and uh, oh, organizing, doing the, the logistics and organization of um, events because I spoke English fluently in Brazil, that was an asset. And you know, obviously, in conferences and workshops, you're going to have um, international guests mm-hmm. and yeah. spoke English, so I did all that liaising with um, those people during the organization of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, and I mean, you know, the place where I was, there was lots of resort uh, resorts that um, had um, events, you know, that organized events, and I just couldn't get in. 
That's true. Mm. And while you were in regional Australia, did you experience any form of culture shock? Look, to me, the, the, the thing that was most difficult dealing with was sarcasm. <laughs> um, you know, like the Australian sarcasm really got to me. You know, people sort of I couldn't quite understand uh, people sort of teasing me or, or using humour. And I had this sense that people just didn't like me. Um, <laughs> so that was quite hard. Yeah. Did you experience that too? Like the sarcasm, I, I really, it was to me really um, difficult. Yeah. Mm. I did experience culture shock, but I guess for me it was in a different, like, lifestyle, you know, how they would yeah. do person-to-person life and community life, neighborhood. Yes. It was different to me. That's what I've noticed. Yes, and I think I think that that is, you know, uh, and, and sort of when you ask that, I get sarcasm is, is what jumps out. Mm-hmm. But thinking back and thinking, because, I mean, I've been here for now 24 years, so in a way, um, you know, without wanting, but I've melted, culturally speaking. So there are things now that to me is second nature. But when I arrived here, actually the fact that I couldn't just knock into someone's door and come for a cup of tea was something that was quite shocking, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you had to have a prior arrangement to go to anyone's place or to have a conversation. That, to me, was was actually quite difficult too, like that um, lost sense of community. Or yeah, I that, did that feel idea. that. I felt like I had to do a, a specific, there was a protocol to be able to catch up with a yes. friend and all of that. Yeah, different societies, I guess. Yeah. Now uh, you, you are a registered psychologist. What is the most interesting part of your work? So I work mostly with victims of trauma. Yep. In couples, and look, I absolutely love what I do, and I'm quite passionate for you know about what I do. And what I think it's the most interesting part of it is what I learn from the people that I see, and I really see a lot of resilience, a lot of history, like stories of survival, and I have such great respect for these people that I work with. You know, I think it's very much that about the lessons in life that you learn with these incredible people. Mm, So you're kind of serving, but at the same time, you're able to learn as you work with them. Yes, yes, yes. Because ultimately, we are all, you know, there is a a trauma therapist, an American trauma therapist. His name escapes um, Briere. He talks about we all being bozos on the same bus. You know, it's Mm. not because I'm a therapist that I'm anywhere uh, hierarchically um, above the rest of the population. We all are bozos in the same bus. Wow. we We learn as much as we, you know, help. Wow, that's a very beautiful thought, Carla. Now, uh, the recent events in in US did bring to the surface the fact that black people are hurting with the death of George Floyd. Let's talk a little bit about that because in a way, I do believe that many Africans could see themselves in that place. And funny enough, the object of dispute in, in racism is race. And yet we don't get to choose the color of the skin we come into the world. So how should I navigate this realization from the perspective of psychologists? I believe you need to navigate that with pride. Pride of who you are and where you come from. Pride of your history, pride of your achievements, your color, you know, your race a part of your fabric, yeah. You have had the experiences in life that you've had, you know, that are intrinsic 
to who you are that are intrinsic to your color, to your race, to your country, uh, and they make, you know, the, the very person you are. It's obviously, you know, that a race is not a determinist thing, like not everybody in a race is going to be equal. Yep. Still, yeah, being who, coming from where you come and, and being from, you know, the race you are makes the amazing person you are. And perhaps if you had been born in a different scheme, in a different country, you would not be that amazing person, that very incredible person that you are. Mm, that's a very good thought, learning to embrace and being comfortable with the skin that I came into the world. Yes, absolutely. And remembering, actually really making this mental note, sort of really, you know, having this image that you can recall at any time of the things that you should be proud of, yeah, mm-hmm. of the people in your race that you should be proud of, uh, to remember the fortitude of your race, of where you come from. Mm. But what does it mean, mental images? You did mention that in it's really, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that later. When uh, what I'm what I'm thinking, you know, is you really have to work with some imagery, like some memories that you can recall in times of trouble. Oh, okay. yeah. and I can talk a bit more about that. Yes. Yeah. So I've released the book last year, Freedom to Belong, where I tell about my journey of blending cultures in Australia. I talk about how as a woman of color in one of the chapters, I talk about how I have experienced racism in Australia. The reality is that racism hurts emotionally and physically. Uh, Following up on the previous question, what can I do at an individual level? What are the strategies that I can incorporate on my day-to-day life to help heal the pain of racism? So look, what I understand is that racism will evoke some very difficult emotions, yeah, we think. Yep. So, and you, at any time that I'm saying anything that doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't sound true to you, you stop and correct me, yeah. Okay. But what I understand is that, you know, it will evoke things such as anger, sadness, yeah, anxiety, fear, frustration, depression, isolation, and a sense of hopelessness and hopelessness, yeah. You may even have sort of, you know, this experience of paranoia, yeah, that people are out there to get you because of your color, because of who you are. Resentment, self-blame and self-doubt, yeah, mm-hmm. those are very common, I think, feelings that we will be evoked um, due to, to racism. Mm-hmm. And perhaps something that is not quite spoken about, but it's also, you know, if you internalize these negative racial stereotypes about the capabilities of your racial ethnic group, yeah, you may end up with the sense of being an imposer. Mm. And, you know, you may start thinking, oh, right, I just got this job uh, because they needed one, you know, they needed to fill up their quota of black people in that in that sort of company, not because I'm actually really capable of doing this job well. Problem with this effect of imposter is that, you know, you end up quite anxious, you end up in, in constant denial of your own competence, uh, you're constantly fearful that, you know, uh, people are going to find out how not good you are, you feel this constant life dissatisfaction and overachievement. So you're always working 
a lot and more than perhaps you know the average person to prove yourself um you know if you find that you know something goes well in in a project at work uh you are happy only for a fraction of a time and then you think that you have to do more to prove more to people Carla, that was very important do you want to repeat the section where you say when you achieve something your joy is short is that what you said Yes, that's right. So when you achieve something, yeah, that is good. That happiness, that sort of sense of achievement has a very short life. Uh you are immediately already thinking that you have to achieve the next thing uh because what you've just achieved is not is not enough to prove your your worth, yeah. And on the other hand, what may happen is that if you have a success, if you have a, you know, as we all do, a failure, you will really look at that as a validation, validation to show how incapable you are. Oh my yeah. God, that's powerful. All of that connected to the fact that I'm not seen for my race, racism. Yeah. Wow. So racism has, um, wow. has wow. an incredible impact on an individual. Yeah. An incredible impact on individuals. You know, it's not unusual that you're going to see people or of minorities that you know refuse to answer questions in a group or in a class context that you know are not going to come forward when they know that they have or you know that they have the qualifications but they're not going to say that they want to do a certain thing for fear that that they will fail fear that they are not able to be sort of dismissed yeah it's incredibly powerful yeah what racism does to a person yeah wow i think that first First and foremost, we need to remember that our mind is a storytelling machine, is a powerful storytelling machine. And some of these stories may appear real, but are they really true? So when you start doubting yourself due to racist comment, due to racist type of attitude towards you, you really need to go back in your mind yeah, to mm. times of competency and pride. You really need to find in your mind and in your memory the times times when you felt good about yourself your race and your people wow and i yes. can tell it's already hard work to come out of that cycle of racism yes having to go yes. back to recall moments that you were happy and proud of yourself still self yes moments of competency of times that you've achieved at times that you've done really well yeah mm. and you also need yeah even before you go there i think it's incredibly important elsa that we honor our feelings and our emotions research points out very clearly that when we dissolve our emotions yeah by trying to avoid or ignore them uh, they increase in intensity okay. so if we put yeah people through a functional mri you know where they sort of look at the images of the brain and the images of the brain while it's lighting in different sort of glazes it shows that you know there is much more struggle going on in the brain when you are trying to push emotions away do you want to repeat and that there's more struggle on you are trying to push your emotions away yeah when you're feeling something and you don't want don't, don't want to go there you are just pushing that emotion away you don't want to think about it you are trying to sort of pretend that it's not there but on the contrary what what research shows is that when you lean sort of speak on your emotions you are more able to self regulate yeah so you're more able to come down and create some balance interesting concept how you lean on your emotions they're not that nice those emotions of racism no 
no, and it, absolutely, and it sounds so uh, counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds incredibly like I know. And, but mind you, mind you, it takes you know a lot of therapy for me to come and tell someone lean on your emotion. <laughs> but what I'm saying here, you know, and perhaps it's something that you can understand, and maybe we can do something experiential here so you can actually get the gist of it. But all emotions come with a sensation. There is no yep. emotion without a sensation. All right. Yep. So if you close your eyes and for a moment you think of something that happened to you, you know, the face of your child lighting up or, you know, <laughs> something that makes you really happy, notice in your body, you know, what you feel yeah. on your throat, on your chest, on your tummy. There is this lovely, beautiful feeling. Yeah. What we do, though, is that when we encounter things that are difficult, all those emotions that we've been talking about that are evoked by, you know, erases like frustration, depression, isolation, what we do is we try not to get in touch with them. But they also have a sensation that accompanies them. And what we need to do is we need to be brave enough to face them, to go in the body. So this is not a cognitive concept. This is a felt Mm -hmm. You don't go into your head, you go into your body. So let's see, you know, I'm talking here to you and there is a level of anxiety going on for me because, you know, in my mind, I might also have this imposter. uh, (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thinking that what am I talking about racism? Who am I to be entitled to talk about racism and how to deal with it? So I can notice inside myself. Yeah, I can notice inside myself sort of that my chest is sort of disclosed down it's as if there is this you know big circle of fire in my chest and just now as I talk to you about this you know ball of fire in my chest it's sort of dissolving and sort of doesn't feel so hard so let's try with you for a moment yeah so if you close your eyes again yeah and think of something and perhaps you know people who are listening out there can do this too I just want you to get something that was unpleasant that happened to you maybe today or yesterday nothing too big nothing traumatic please because we are you know doing this in a quick sort of fashion so just think of something like that yeah and now notice what's happening in your body yeah throat chest tummy notice where in your body do you feel your body the most yeah and now just try something with that same sensation inside your body start saying no i don't want you pushing it away I, you feel you, you're owning the space, you know, you're kind of taking over. Hmm. Yeah. Now close your eyes again with the same, can you still feel the turmoil inside you? No, you've no, lost the it. is not Can there. you bring, no, that's right, because it's too quick. But this is to give you an idea, right? So bring something else that was slightly unpleasant, yeah? Yeah. Again, not, nothing something, you know, nothing that it's too traumatic, too bad, but bring something again in your eye, you know, in, in your in your mind, uh, in the eyes of your mind. So close your eyes yeah. and think of something that was unpleasant, yeah? And notice again that sensation in the body. Can you bring the sensation? As in to describe it? No, you don't have to describe it. You just have to not say yes to what happened to you, but say yes to the sensation within yourself, what happens. Oh, okay, got it. So it's not forget about the, the, the uh, about the incident, come to the body and come to the sensation. Mm. And saying yes, it's okay. It's okay to the sensation, not what happened. What happens? It's a mix of tension and release. 
Yes, you know, it's different. It's different. Yes. It's so much better. Yes. So you can open your eyes now and see, yeah, what I mean about leaning onto the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. So with every emotion, there is a sensation. Yeah. You need to go in your body and you need to understand in your body. You need to recognize in your body that there is a sensation, that there is an emotion at place. And wow. We don't know much about ourselves. No, we don't. We don't. And without that knowledge, yeah, it's very difficult to, to um, survive such difficult emotions. Yeah, mm. so and how so, important is to yeah. have those this understanding? You know, the emotions, the sensation, the it's fundamental. It's I mm. think it's it's in the fundamental of being able to cope with life in general. So you negotiate with that sensation a new perspective. You respect, yes. You have to mm. really. And look, when I'm selling, you know that you. Are going to say yes to the sensation that you are going to in a way accept the sensation you are not accepting racism yes you are accepting that racism has an effect on you and that effect you know will sort of keep you locked somewhere what happens is that if you stay you know locked in that in the constant thinking or in ruminating of the injustice or how terrible it is or how difficult it is you are stuck and might turn a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely Make sense. It, it, it does make sense, and I have to say, I have found myself trying to prove, you know, prove myself yeah. that I am good enough. And at the same time, I have done well, but the joy had a short life. But now I understand yes. why. It makes sense. Yes. You feel like you always have to be constantly giving. God. Yeah. Still not enough because you're not there yet. Your measure is never enough. You know. Yes. Yeah. So you have to sit with that. You have to sit with that sensation. Yeah. You have to sit with that sensation and, you know, and you say, yes, it's okay. You're okay. You are okay. Come back to the sensation, breathing into the sensation, making space for it, describing it and coming back to the present, coming back to the present, grounding yourself in this very moment around. Look at your environment around you. Look at five things you can see. Yeah. Um, notice five things you can hear. You know, within your environment and connect with your skin. Five things you can feel against your skin. That's how you ground yourself in the present moment mm-hmm. and break that cycle, that cycle of continual thinking and ruminating on, mm-hmm. on these difficult thoughts that then um, provoke and evoke these difficult emotions. So the strategy that I could incorporate Mm -hmm. would be about grounding Mm -hmm. myself. I have to accept the sensations and emotions, even though I'm not okay with the event, but it's good for me that I accept the sensation and lean into it. And as I lean into it, I responded back by saying things such as... After leaning into the emotion, you come back to the present. Yeah, You come back to the present. Present, you ground yourself, yeah, you remind yourself of moments of competency and pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. most important, yeah, is really to ground yourself. Because again, um, if you haven't done a lot of work on being very confident on your competency and pride, the mind, this lovely storytelling machine that we have, may come with comments of but, oh yes, you achieved that, but you did the well there, but. So sometimes going into the mind can be a bit difficult. Okay. Yeah. And if you find that your mind is butting you and is trying to drag you back, then 
you go again into the body, you go again into the sensations, and you simply ground yourself in the present moment. Mm, trying yeah. to bypass the mind in finding another. Trying to, yes, in trying to find the next thing to hook you down, yeah, to make you believe that you have to do more, to make you believe that you cannot put that hand up because, you know, people are not going to take you seriously. Wow, wow, wow. I'm just um, learning a lot in here. So we talk about racism, but I don't think we really do spend some time to fully understand what are the ramifications. We feel the pain, yes, but I don't think we are conscious of all those. We're just acting yes. out the consequences. Yes, of yes. And I think that that's the importance. Yeah, the importance is to really understand, for me, what does racism do does to me as a person? Yeah. And we know, we know, and there is indication, you know, through uh, surveys and et cetera, that's what people describe, yeah, sensations of isolation, you know, and these imposter syndrome or phenomenon, uh, this, this anxiety and fear, um, to understand that. And when you notice yourself with these difficult emotions inside you, then you have to lean into them and come back to the present moment. But I guess, you know, this is one important aspect. Other important aspect is that you really need to find your tribe. Mm. Yeah? And when I say tribe, you really need to find like-minded people yep. that give you a sense of purpose, that give you a sense of belonging, that give mm. you um, some resourcing. Yeah, Resourcing meaning that give you a respite and that strengthen you. Be that your church, be that a community group that you are part of, but you really need to find something that helps you. Yeah. Uh, and again, here we have to also be incredibly cautious not to then start becoming counter-racist. Yeah. Not to find a group and stick to a group because of because of race only. Yes. And that doesn't open up because. That doesn't help. That only yeah. generate, you know, further alienation of the group towards, towards the community. Yeah, I agree with uh, that point. I agree really well because I do mention in the book sometimes yeah. migrants we tend to community groups and people that look like yeah. us because we're struggling yeah. to integrate. That if yeah. it, it's not well looked into, we may end up creating us against them. And the only thing we have in common is that we hate them, which is not good. I remember. Um, reading a book about this woman who was an alcoholic and she, she spoke exactly about that, that, you know, one of her problems was that she would get into a room and there might be 100 people and 99 people smiled at her. One person didn't smile at her and that was it. The night yeah. was gone for her because she would only focus on that person. And I think mm -hmm. here is the same thing, is that sometimes I think with racism, we sort of may have a work, you know, place or we have a group of friends and there is one person or yeah. two people or whatever that sort of, you know, perhaps, you know, not as like-minded and then we tend to focus on them rather than actually embracing who is like-minded and enjoying the people that actually are welcoming. So uh, looking into it from a perspective of not fearing, not despairing, but grounded. Yeah. I really love the concept of being grounded in the present and the idea of focusing on the sensations and work from there in the body. It's really important. Yes. But to yes. me, the highlight was to see you describing the whole consequences of racism. You're saying the fact that we feel we're yeah. never enough and then short yeah. joy. You know, that's an interesting 
concept because we're playing up that unconsciously. So it's always important, you know, moment by moment when you are not feeling quite right to really give a pause. What is happening? What is happening inside me? Throat, chest, tummy. Oh, there is a feeling, you know, there is a sensation that's going on here. Describe the sensation. Come back, yeah? Ground yourself. It's perfect. Is this my responsibility alone to heal the pain of racism? And if yes, why? Look, I think that is yours, is mine, it's everybody's. I think that we all have to do a lot of work within ourselves to understand racism within us, meaning, you know, how unconsciously sometimes we can be racist and therefore generate more racism. But I think it's a, a wide responsibility from, you know, you know, government agencies. I think that we all to be invested in it because pain of racism turns people against each other, yeah, turns people into vilification. Yep. And so we all have, you know, the responsibility of dealing with it. Yeah. And sometimes my black people also have to live with the with the burden of educating their white friends about those things you're explaining. So what's the best approach to do this while we are in the process of healing and recovering from the pain of racism? How do I still educate my white friend and look after myself? Yeah, and again, it's about grounding. Hmm. It's absolutely about grounding. It's absolutely about being able to understand what's going on for you and having a real clear picture of what's going on for you, yeah, of how, of what racism means to you and what it does to you and finding a place of calm and acceptance. Again, that acceptance that's not condoning, that acceptance that it is what it is and that a lot of people, because they have not been exposed to it, because they have no idea of it, they don't understand, they just don't know. It's asking Mm -hmm. them to speak a language that they've never learned. And again... Because of the what the word we call white privilege, they don't have to experience this. Yes, absolutely. And look, and in Australia, it's quite wide because I mean, Australia is a very protected country, yeah. And people in Australia mostly live in a very protected life, uh, protected from misery, protected from uh, violence. You know, of course, there is violence and there is you know um, poverty in Australia. But compared to countries like Brazil, like Africa, like India, Bangladesh. Nothing. So, you know, we have to actually not blame people for their ignorance because if they have not been in a position of knowing and understanding, then they cannot get it. Thank you so much again, your valuable insights on this subject. I did learn a lot. I did learn a lot for real. Uh, I really appreciate it and I hope it did help our listeners and our listeners. Thank you so much for listening and that's the end of our interview today. Thank you very much, Elsa. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much.